Now, uh, we only have one spot open, so um, we're going to have tryouts. <laughs> and uh, make it quick. Now I'm just inserting that scene in Civil War when they were recruiting heroes. <laughs> like, who did <laughs> Ant-Man get to get the job? <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jackoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm James. And I'm a slightly sick Mike. And this is episode 45, Mike and James Turn Off the Dark. Which I, I'm recording in the dark. So, <laughs> so Turn a bit it of, off! A bit, of, a bit of meta relevance that... Uh, you know, I just want I just want to cue the fans in on. Yeah. Oh shit. Let me just. I'm gonna go reach. I'm gonna reach over. Boom. Dude, stop giving. Stop giving them a reach over. <laughs> These people are devoting their time to listening to our podcast. We, we're jackoffs. We're not people who jack we're not, people we're not a, off. We're not. We're not accosters. All right. Okay. Uh, Jesus. Uh, I'm just I'm fucking it all up, man. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh uh, God, James, what's going on? We're 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 fighting amongst one another. You know what? You know, we you... had a group going on, and we had a group dynamic going on, and then we just started fighting within ourselves with amongst one another. You know? You just started a war, a civil war. And by the way, I did actually turn off my lights, and now my giant witch poster is suddenly creepier. That is wow! Wait, it's literally can, right in front of my face. That's a dark poster. I'm surprised you can see that in well, the dark. Well, that's the thing. I can only see the the title and the shadows. Oh Jesus! Like the silhouettes of just and then, this, like, and then like the old timey the old timey fonts that has two V's. Yeah, it has two V's instead of a W. The Vivich. The Vivich. Wow. That is actually pretty scary. <laughs> that we. We are actually going to talk about horror movies, some horror movies on this podcast soon. Yeah. So. so turn off the turn off the dark. In case no one knows, that is, I I actually would not expect anyone to know this because everyone everyone should have forgotten about the Spider Man musical by now. Well, the thing is, everyone's heard of the Spider Man musical, right. but no one really knows much about it. Yeah, even at the time, it was just called the Spider Man musical because it, none of the press was good press. If it was good press, it would have been like, "Hey, Spider Man, turn off the dark. It's phenomenal." No, it's just, hey, Spider-Man musical sucks, and everyone's dying who's performing in it. <laughs> Time to ruin Broadway forever. I don't uh, I don't think anyone actually died, so I'm not... No, I think there were just some legs breaking and shit like yeah, that. So. Okay, good. I, I would have actually felt horrible if someone had actually died. No, people still make jokes about it, and that's kind of the threshold to know that no one died. Well, it was such a disaster. There, like, there, there are literally. You can go on the Wikipedia page. There are two versions. If you look up the synopsis, there's version 1.0 of the musical and version 2.0. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this thing was a disaster. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Anywho. Uh, yeah, there is going to be some horror movie news, but mainly we're reviewing Captain America: Civil War. Right. Hence, hence the Spider-Man reference, because. Uh, okay, brace yourselves, everyone, because oh my God. I, I, <laughs> I, I get to spend an inordinate amount of time <laughs> talking about my favorite superhero, Spider-Man. 
Hey, I think I spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Batman. While I, know. I, was, you know, I, I know. I know. This is your comeuppance. I know, and I'm, I'm just going to be such a smug asshole because, like, and, and really, you texted me this. Yeah, I did. Uh, what's it like that, it, you know, what, what does it feel like that, you know, this isn't your exact wording, but essentially that my superhero, my favorite superhero is in the dumps, and yours is, yours is uh, flying high, yeah. flying high right now. Um, James talking to me in that case, and I just go, feels like I'm walking in the room as Bane, just going, let's not stand on ceremony here, Mister Kozinides, right before I snap your back in two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna save it, cause I'm gonna. It's it'll be uh, it'll be fan heavy, just from a heavy fan. <laughs> <laughs> really, you're making bad <laughs> jokes at your own expense. <laughs> yeah, man. I saw the opportunity and I, I went for it. Great. <laughs> Fuck me. Man, if you ever wanna like remake some of Evan and Luke Costello's <laughs> movies, we gotta have all the necessary parts. I know. <laughs> Fat guy and skinny guy. Perfect. <laughs> Yes. That's about it. <laughs> well, That's all you need, man. <laughs> do you know how many duos we could do now? We could do Laurel and Hardy as well. <laughs> we could do Hitchcock and Truffaut. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me too excited. <laughs> Oh, God, I think we've probably digressed enough, right? Shit. Oh, man. I've always... No, I love I love our... Honestly, the intros are my favorite parts of the show, because I, I, honest to God, never know where they're going to take us. <laughs> we could get into just seriously, like, bitter rants about nonsense, or we could have a lot of fun, and I love it either way. I do, too. I, seriously, I feel like I've ranted like a crazy, like a crazy old man. Talking to no one before <laughs> show even properly started. <laughs> right. On one occasion. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, and now we're in the dark, so I might need to call somebody. Ghostbusters. Yeah, so we have, yeah we have three segments of news, and, and they're all in some way... Ghostbusters is not horror, but it's, you know, uses elements that would, in certain other cases, be found in a horror movie. Um... Namely ghosts, I suppose. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so uh, this isn't really news. Well, it's not new news, but, you know, it's, I think it's worth bringing it up. Uh, a, because it fit into our, our kind of motif for the opening. But B, just because I, I just kind of wanted to have this conversation very briefly. I'm not going to go on too long, but essentially, you know, it was reported a few weeks ago, Ghostbusters is officially the most disliked trailer on YouTube. Period. Um, I did not see that coming. Well, the, uh, sorry, to clarify, the new Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters is, I assume, well, I assume it's got mostly likes on it. <laughs> People generally like that movie. I actually, uh, I need to, I need to confess, I have never actually seen it. I, I saw it too long ago to remember anything i was a child i actually think so. that we should do uh do a revisit of it uh when the new film comes out because i assume we're gonna have to see the new one yeah um, that'll 
be necessary and probably worth it. So <laughs> I mean, look, if I'm gonna, I'm not expecting good things, and I feel bad saying that about uh, Paul Feig, Melissa McCarthy movie, but there it is. Um, I was one of those dislikes on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't believe you actually bothered to dislike things. <laughs> I I went out of my way to do it for this. <laughs> It's not good. It's so no. It's a it's a really bad trailer. It's a terrible trailer. And you know what? A trailer, but it's got the thing is the things that are wrong in the trailer are not things that emerge out of just editing. You know, because that that that's a lot of what a lot of what goes into a trailer is or, or like what what goes into a bad impression of a trailer. I should say is just just horrible editing, revealing too much, revealing too little. Uh, you know, playing all the bad beats of the movie. Like, I, I think the perfect example is Everybody Wants Some. I was just about to say, mostly yeah. because I also have an Everybody Wants Some poster right next to me. Right, of course. And I think that was maybe the, the most prominent example this year of a trailer just completely... I don't... Betraying is probably a bit of a melodramatic world, but word, but just not conveying what a movie is at its essence. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with the moments they chose to highlight, the... Uh, you know the the way it was edited together. It it just had this. It gave it a very like uh, Animal House, American Pie feeling to it, rather than you know the contemplative, slower, uh, fun, but also kind of philosophical uh, uh, treatise that we got with Richard Linklater. Um, and of course, the latter is what the film actually ended up being. So, um, so th- the thing is though, the Ghostbusters trailer does not. Those are not the problems with it. The problems are entire characters. Um, the problems with it are constant callbacks to the original movie in a way that just kind of, you know, it, it just kind of name drops it without really understanding the essence of what made it special. Well, uh, the thing is, it go- is turning and winking at the camera right. doing anything, like bringing anything to the film itself? You yeah, know? yeah. And it, it, it's interesting because I mentioned this to you in the pre-show, but I've not heard a single. This is, I don't want to get reactionary on this because I've literally not heard this brought up once. And this was reported on pretty widely that this was the most disliked trailer. Um, and I think it was reported because people like they wanted the press almost wanted to stoke this this reaction at people. But uh, I, I've heard no one's call call out the sexism, uh, call out sexism as a potential motivator for the low score. Um, and I, I think because it, it, no matter what, anyone who watches that show just goes, yeah, that looks that looks horrible. And, and they're like totally bastardizing one of my favorite movies from the eighties. Like a lot of people like ghostbusters. It's got an enormous, it's not even, I'm sorry. I was about to say cult following just by habit, but I think it's, yeah, too popular to be called. It's got a it's got a robust following. It's got a very robust following, um, and then actually one of the main selling points of Ghostbusters. And you know what this uh, this the point you're talking about was brought up earlier um, when it was a big selling point about the movie that it's going to feature an all female Ghostbusters. And I'm sure like that one that same guy who didn't see Mad Max Fury Road was complaining about it. And Probably. then a lot of people use that that. To feel the fire, the hype machine that was the Ghostbusters reboot. Pro- probably, I you know I think that I didn't hear as much of that. Honestly, I I, I do. I, I, it wasn't rampant, but I do 
distinctly remember it people saying like oh too bad we're gonna get an all-female ghostbusters yeah no i and obviously i mean look obviously that's that's just bullshit um and i mean it's not we are gonna get an all-female ghostbusters that reaction is just bullshit but um like the thing is now i'm just almost on the other side where like i'm afraid that it's going to be bad and that it'll send the message like, Oh, see, this is what happens when you, when you make all female comedies. I, d- I mean, th- look, we've had plenty of great all female comedies in the last few years where I don't think that that'll actually be, it, it, I don't think it'll actually have that strong of an effect on the films that Hollywood makes. But the the thing is balls kind of in their court to, you know, to prove themselves. And I'm, I rooting for them, but the, this, I, I don't know. It's, it's looking like more and more of a lost cause in the case of this movie, essentially just in the case of this movie. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's we've seen this all the time where Paul Feig makes Bridesmaids, yeah. and it's a really good all-female comedy, and then mm-hmm. everything else since then, and I'm being, I'm exaggerating, has been a shittier Bridesmaid. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know? So Because everyone's like, oh, yeah, we got to make our Bridesmaids, you know? Yeah. And then... They they don't do that sort of source material justice because they just as we've said a thousand times they ape the superficial elements. Yeah, because then... they, they don't realize that Bradsmaids is about character, and if you don't explore if you don't craft your characters, which is definitely the hard part, then no one's going to give a shit about what you're doing. And the the, the women in your films are going to be no more multifaceted or three dimensional just because they're the focus. You have to take take the time and actually you know create characters and that's what that's what bridesmaids did so yeah i mean look this is this is the same director actor combo that produced one of the most acclaimed female centric comedies in recent memory Mm -hmm. um so if anyone was going to be able to you know pull this off and pull it off right i would imagine it would be them um there's there's still a chance but God, it's it's just it's just dwindling. I don't know. I just you see jokes about you know, you know, getting getting slimed and pulling it out of various bodily crevices and you know it just just stuff I've either seen a million times before uh, that's uninspired or you know things like taking a you know a fully realized you know minority character in the original ghostbusters and just turning into a stereotype in the new ones first for just for the for the lulls um you know it's it's a bit of a bummer yeah well it's funny too because the the ghostbusters trailer isn't even like the well it's from what i understand correct me if i'm wrong i huh. don't has there been a, another trailer I don't believe so. I don't believe okay. so, and the, that's just so because usually when this, when stuff like this happens, a trailer comes out and there's just immediate vitriolic reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. They put out like a like a insurance trailer, you know, a a, a, for, a forgive me please trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's some. It, it'll be a second one that maybe gives a different perspective and shows people more about it. This happened with with Batman vs Superman, and actually got me kind of excited about Batman vs Superman. Which fuck you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, because <laughs> they released this really bad first trailer that centered on Batman think, saying, "Tell me, do you bleed?" I think we criticized that first. Tra- was that the one with the um, bunch you of voiceovers? 
the, a bunch of voiceovers that like slowly pan into a, a, a the Superman statue. It's a, oh yeah, on it. Yeah, we actually criticized that trailer on the show. Yeah, and then and then later they they came out with a uh, a really exciting, interesting trailer that centered on that scene where uh, Batman. Well, in the movie, it was the scene where Batman was rescuing. Um, Superman's mom, because some reason Superman couldn't just soup in there and do it. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And but the, early in the part where in that scene he it's edited together really kinetically and it looks really fun and I I actually got interested in it at that point and then it was done they released that clearly as a response to say no 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 don't don't hate us here's a new trailer <laughs> and they haven't done that with this movie and no it's been quiet. And my uh, I, sort of suspicion is it's it's one of the two things. It's either they want to let it let the let the news play out, let let the let the public move on, uh, or they don't have anything else to show. Yeah. I, I hope it's the first one. I don't. I do too. I mean, I the thing is, I feel like with the kind of negative reaction this has had, you kind of have to choose your next step carefully. You do, yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is what they're doing. They're trying to, you know, take their timing and, and actually create a, a, I don't know, cause it, it basically revamped their advertising campaign to make this something that people are going to want to come out and see. Um, because uh, honestly reboots of stuff like this are going to be a hard sell. Um, people are, people are kind of sick of reboots and I, I I don't know. Maybe the the one, if this film flops, maybe one positive that will come out of it is that we will have Hollywood just lay off, just take their hands a little bit off our beloved '80s franchises, and 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 you know reboot them more seldom, and uh, take more care and attention when they do it. I I don't know. It's uh, this movie is a, a shit show before it even comes out. I, you know, look I. I, I'm, I'm just gonna make a polemic statement about it now that I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna flop, um, either critically or commercially or both, um, and uh, I say this uh, with assurance because if I'm wrong, then I will proudly wear this as another one of my uh, uh, total uh, backfired statements that I made throughout the year uh, at you know in next January. I I, I make this as a, uh, I make I make this statement confidently, um, and I will eat my words confidently if I'm wrong. Great. <laughs> I gotta start writing these down for the two of us. <laughs> I don't even remember what my first one was. Um, I can't. Oh, I do. Oh, your first one was Suicide Squad's gonna suck. Oh God. See, I'm not even gonna have any. I'm not even going to have any statements I regret at the end of the year because these are all going to come true. <laughs> mine mine was probably a little bolder. That was that Rogue One is going to be better than The Force Awakens. That is bold. Mm. That is bold. That I as a bold statement that I am not confident in joining you on, but also that I am not... Uh, can't, can't rule it out. I'm certainly not ruling it out, no. No. In fact, I mean, I'm, I'm entertaining it as a possibility. Uh, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make that assertion. Go go so far as to predict it. Yeah, I I I really just predicted it for the boldness of it. <laughs> it's I mean, kind of like betting on black, you know. It's just like I, you gotta do it. I kind of love it. Um, I mean, honestly, that, that that's great. Uh, but I'm just 
<laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, I, you know, I think it will. I think it'll be debatable. So okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you'll end up eating those words. Um, I think it'll maybe be. I think it'll probably be pretty close. I think it'll be debatable. Um, and people have their preferences, and you'll be able to make the argument that that Rogue One was better, and the other person, even if they disagree with you, won't laugh you out of the out of the conversation. Well, I look forward to having that conversation. I, I, I do too. I look, from I, this fall, <laughs> I, I know. Look, I'm I'm already getting impatient. All right, I, I want I want to see Rogue One. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on, new new news in the horror film front has brought us here recording in the dark with a witch poster staring at me. Um, <laughs> last 2014, 2015 actually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just last year, great film called It Follows came out, almost made... Wait, did it make your top list? It absolutely made my top list. It yeah. did make your top ten list. Yeah, it almost it made my top list. It didn't make yours, which is funny because I feel like I had more... Uh, more criticisms uh, about the film when we reviewed it initially. Than I did, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a. I loved it at first, but it was actually a bit of a slow burn. Like I, I, I kind of just grew more and more. Uh, like I don't know, I, it just clicked more and more with me the more I thought about it and and watching it a second time. Uh, and yeah, so by the end of the year, it was I think pretty comfortably on my list. I think it was like number eight or something, eight or nine. Yeah, no, it was you know in there. Um, and there's so many films like that and Ex Machina, I think, are two that I just, mm-hmm. for s- some reason, couldn't find room for among my top ten. Yeah, those are both that, like, yeah, they were in the lower half of my list, but I definitely wanted them there. Yeah, and the films on each of our lists, I think, were so good. It's just, it's hard to, oh, no, it's so I, hard to split. I feel like I, was, I split ten hairs. Sure, <laughs> you know? sure. I Look. You take you combine our two lists. I think you'll have a pretty definitive like. I, I, I don't want to say like definitively the greatest films of the year, but I think you'll have no 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 definitively pretty, the oh, greatest yeah, films of, of the year found here first. No, I'm talking during the movie. No room for argument. Um, no, I, I think you'll have a very 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 solid list of films to check out from last year at the very which which really is the point. I mean that's why we do top ten lists. It's not that it's going to be the same as the people listening to it to their lists. Um, but just so that they'll have a pretty, you know, they'll have a, a list of great recommended films from the, the year prior, um, which I think we were successful yeah. uh, in creating. Just um, offering perspective. Yeah, for sure. And w- But one of the things we praise about It Follows, of course, was the director and the direction in that movie. It's an astoundingly well-crafted film um, directed by David Robert Mitchell. And I believe that was his first film credit. Credit? Am I am I forgetting no, something? No, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, was it uh, something about the American Slumber Party? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Myth of the American <laughs> Slumber Party. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that one just had a little cult following, but yeah. Yeah, that must be super small because I, I never I never heard of it before. It follows, and I, I've still never. I, I mean, I want to see it, but I've I've never really heard of it anywhere outside of the context of talking about it follows. Yeah, like, Everyone, like the only time it ever has gotten brought up, from what I could tell, is when it, it, or, or during reviews of it follows or discussions uh, relating to the director. 
It's um, even more obscure, I would say, than like Blue Ruin was the Green Room. Like, yeah, Blue so, Ruin at least it, it had some praise before Green Room was even so a thing. So I, yeah, I had absolutely heard of Blue Ruin. I actually I, I saw it. it used to be on Netflix, and that's when I first. Yeah, actually, my uh, roommate was watching. I found this out that my I walked in on my roommate watching like the end scene in Blue Ruin, and I completely forgot about it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It was see. It's the thing. It, it was kind of not not famous, but it was a bit notorious for for being this, you know, super cheaply produced uh, kickstarted effort um, that just turned out incredibly well for everyone involved and also featured uh, also featured Kevin's brother from Home Alone. <laughs> Buzz McAllister. <laughs> McAllister. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, David Robert Mitchell, I just saw this news story. There's not a whole lot of meat there, but I'm excited that he's continuing direct, and he's not—he's not staying strictly with the horror genre, which is a little disappointing. It looks like, uh, from all reports, his next film called *Under the Silver Lake*, which he's also writing, will be a neo-neo noir crime thriller. So, uh, uh, it's never, been done. <laughs> yeah, I was like, never seen that one before. Um, but you know what? Like, if just, someone like it, it yeah. follows, it's been done. Like not not the actual story of it follows, but what it is on the on its surface has been done so look all i ask when a film like that comes out nowadays is that the the person is making it for some reason other than yeah i saw brick and it was really good <laughs> brick was really good <laughs> brick was really good uh but that doesn't mean everyone should be making bricks no you gotta you, you can't you can't build a house I was just about to try to make one of those jokes, uh, but I, I looked it off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's no real smooth way to do it. Um, yeah, and also Brick is not the first neo-noir, uh, you know, mystery film to, to come about. I mean, they've been making them since, I mean, maybe maybe Blade Runner's one of the, Chinatown, Chinatown. Anyway, um, so yeah, no, this is this has been mine for territory in, you know, in modern films for a while now um but i'm always interested to see uh the new directions people will take it because there's a there's a bunch of stuff to do with it i love I, I that you know everything we just said you know aside i do love i do love it when filmmakers revive uh archaic genres especially filmmakers with such a strong vision so uh, and, and it's gonna star andrew garfield that's the really the news the main news peg about it i think um and Andrew Garfield, I've been loving for a while now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, I liked him as Spider-Man. We're going to talk about that. Um, of course he was in 99 Homes with Michael Shannon. Had a great role that played off of Michael Shannon's role, which is no easy task to stand up to that that man. <laughs> yeah, 99 Homes, since your recommendation, that made your list, right? Your top 10? Uh, no. Oh, it just missed it. It just missed it. Yeah, it was in my runners-up. I talked about it on the show because I wanted to say, like, this was a really good movie. Didn't quite make my top ten. I wanted it to, but it didn't. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, that's actually uh, climbed pretty high up in my uh, films I need to see. In my list of films I need to see, particularly from last year, it's probably one of the top one or two. Uh, no, it's not one because it's uh, Look of Silence and... Uh. Uh, Look at Silence and Son of Saul are pretty much solidly number one and two. Um, yeah, yeah, he was... Son of Saul. Oh, gosh. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it later. Um, yeah, no, uh, God, I mean, Andrew Garfield Social Network. Um, 
if, if you ever saw this movie uh, called Never Let Me Go, which is actually yeah. a- Alex Garland, I believe, uh, wrote the adaptation of it uh, for the screen. Uh, he was phenomenal in that. I haven't seen Boy A, but I've heard good things about his performance there. He's been uh, he's been killing it lately. He's I'm I'm always excited to see what he's doing next. He's he he picks good work. Yeah. Oh no. Wait. <laughs> oh yeah. He's gonna be in Scorsese's next film. Oh, that's right. Yes. Holy shit. Which I seriously it is it is one of my most anticipated films this year because it is. Uh, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure yours too, because you know you love Wolf of Wall Street so much. Uh, you know, one of the modern, just mo- mo- one of the modern masters. Uh, but doing a, a filming a subject that I don't think I've ever seen him do before, um, because it's a, a period piece uh, during the 17th century about two Jesuit priests uh, facing persecution, and. I he's been working on this project forever. I'm I'm stoked. I'm sorry, we totally switched hands in the film we're talking about. This is about Scorsese. Um I'm sorry. God damn though. I just well, I, Scorsese I, also did a horror film called Shadow Island, probably his best movie. Oh oh my god. No. <laughs> you see that twist ending coming? I had no idea. No, no, I've never watched the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I actually haven't. So. Uh, no, I have watched that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it invented the twist ending. It, uh, it did, yeah. And it's almost but, the same twist. I'll, you know, uh, I always said it, that I actually applauded that everything you saw still actually happened to a certain extent uh, in Shutter Island, that they didn't just, like, undo everything you saw. That's, because... def- that's definitely the added elegance of it. I mean, Caligari was... Caligari was seriously like, all right, everything you saw was bullshit. Well, Forget- it was also so old. I mean, like, there's so little precedent for anything in that film that it's it's understandable, uh, and you have to give it a bit of leeway in that regard. Um, but I'm happy that it, you know, in, in the case of the 20, what, 2008 Scorsese movie, that it wasn't literally just the same twist. I mean, at least he had that extra, that extra finesse. Well, yeah, and the thing is, like, the mystery that he was trying to solve, like, mattered. Well, the mystery that you as a viewer trying to figure out what was going on mattered. And, you know, it's it's funny, it's hard for me to really, like, criticize a film like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari through the lens of 2016. You know, it it doesn't really make sense. Um, But, but yeah, you, you spend the entire movie trying to figure out what's going on with what he's trying to figure out. And it's all bullshit. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, not okay. Yeah, not his. Not all right. <laughs> not, not his best, but. But you know, you talked about David Robert Mitchell, you know, bringing, you know, doing a new take on a on a, an old genre, and that was exciting for you. This next news story, I'm really excited about. And I think it has the potential to breathe new life into a genre. And I'm not talking about horror films. I'm talking about found footage films mm, so a, a genre that i have uh mined much less than you have and that i think we may get into more later hopefully we do yeah so one of my one of my favorite horror filmmakers based on two and a half films <laughs> is adam wingard who directed <laughs> your next and the guest and was integral in the creation of VHS and its sequel VHS 2. So, 
Um, he was someone I really pined for his next movie after seeing those two. And the problem was, it, there was just nothing about any film until, uh, well, except for he was doing it attached to a Death Note, you know, a adaptation of the Death Note anime. Mm-hmm. My favorite and, anime. Yeah. <laughs> it is. No, it is actually my favorite anime. Well, yeah, no, I hear it's really good, so I wouldn't begrudge you. I'm not begrudging you. You shouldn't. Um, and that was supposed to come out this year and then got delayed for some reason that no one was really saying for sure. And I wasn't really excited about it. And I was just like, God damn it. How long is it going to be until I get an Adam Wingard film? And just just uh, yesterday, I think, he tweets out like, all right, here's what I've been working on. It's coming out in September. <laughs> and it's a trailer for a found footage horror film called The Woods, um, which is a found footage horror, f- horror film set in the woods. Probably, if you know you know anything about found footage, footage horror films, the most popular found footage horror film ever mm-hmm. is set in the woods. It's called The Blair Witch Project. We actually have an episode named after it. <laughs> you know what? Um... Look, so it's pretty much impossible to describe anything about this project that we know so far. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the title, the uh, the trailer that we actually saw, um, anything that has been released to the public regarding this movie. It, it's almost impossible to uh, describe it uh, in in term in any other terms than uh, generic. And <laughs> I only. It just kind of occurred to me now, but I'm actually that kind of makes me even more excited than well, if we had more information because we know the director we're dealing with, and I'm sure you know, you will get into it. Uh, you know what Adam Wingard what Adam Wingard means to me, um, <laughs> but uh, you know we've both seen his his previous work, Your Next, and The Guest. Um, this is this is not your run of the mill director. He mixes, he uh, you know he he make, he definitely juggles genres. I would say, uh, and and his films his films stand out uh, both tonally and as uh, you know uh, I, I think as uh, pieces of art, um, and I think the fact that we're being set up uh, to approach this movie uh, as being no different than any other run-of-the-mill horror film that we get any other time of the year, um, I, I I think it's a I think it's almost a bit of a night's move, and I think he's I think he's setting us up for something. No, he's got us right where he wants us. I think yeah. back to when I saw the trailers for Your Next, I thought that that looked seriously like the most generic slasher film ever and because of that it was going to be the worst piece of shit that came out that summer and mm-hmm. it was a gem to say the least because yeah. of that so if i see if i see a trailer and i told you this before this trailer would not have made me bat an eye mm-hmm. unless it was adam wingard mm-hmm. and because now it's an adam wingard trailer i know there's more i i right. i've and- seen enough of his movies that i trust that is isn't just people are scared in the woods like like the Blair Witch Project right I mean I would, I would actually go yeah like I, I will actually go as far as to say I think that we are being it's not just that he's not releasing specifics about this project I think he's actually um 
framing this to look as generic as possible. I mean, I, even look, you can't have a horror film with the title "The Woods" anymore uh, <laughs> unless it's going for something uh, more referential of the genre as a whole, or of you know genre norms or tropes you know, it, like cabin in the woods right that, that, well, <laughs> it's enormous send-up of the horror genre the title is you know basically takes the the premise of how many horror movies just down to its bare essence so i think that there's something similar going on here i uh, obviously we don't know what we have not had hardly any information of this release in fact you, you only just first caught word of it earlier this week correct Yesterday, yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, I, yeah, I'm actually really intrigued by this um, because of how unintriguing it is. <laughs> and that's what I think. I I feel like I have to implore people like take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And man, also the same screenwriter who's on the guest and your next is returning for the woods too. It's that mm-hmm. it's their team. You know, I have to believe that with this much talent, this is going to be a good good movie. Well, Please care our, about it. <laughs> our, uh, was this in our old show? I forget, but the, one of the early episodes of our of our podcast was Mike and James. I want to believe. <laughs> that was in the archives. Yeah, yeah. I want to believe. I want to believe. <laughs> Fine. You know what? Call me out. I do want to believe, mm-hmm. and this is. I want to believe mostly because. Call he's you out. I, on the, he's not just doing another horror film. He's taking on found footage, and yeah. he's he said in the past that he was he wants he thinks that found footage can be good and he wants to do it good do it good and now he's actually putting his money where his mouth is yeah know, saying like i i could i could crack this this puzzle you know i could i could solve it and yeah. i hope he does because you know and we've talked about that we talked about this in the pre-show but i want to sort of plug for a possible future segment when we review this movie i want to make it like a big found footage episode um and we already have a great title for it that we won't spoil. We won't spoil it. Um, and I told James I'm, I'm very much in favor of this because found footage is it's it's not only a genre that I've I've been condescending towards, but it's also one that I've been barely exposed to at all. Um, <laughs> like what you've seen, like Cloverfield. I've seen Cloverfield. I've seen the original Blair Witch Project, and I've seen End of Watch, which doesn't entirely count. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like found footage when it wants to be. <laughs> exactly, which I liked. I, I thought that it was, uh, t- you know, to the film's credit that it could sort of it, it, it could sort of uh, shift in and out of that style when it was most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, you know what? You did. I think didn't I make you watch the Last Exorcism? No. No, I didn't make you watch that. Okay. Yeah. Must have been a date or something. <laughs> date went well. Date went well. <laughs> uh, uh, so this is, yeah, so this is just a genre I've been, I've been totally unwarranted in shitting on. Um, so now I'm going to know more about it so that when I shit on it, it'll be justified. Yeah, it'll be justified shit. <laughs> that should really be the name of our show. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was just about to say. Um, it sounds like there's some, some like weird, like that going on. On my end? Yeah. I mean, I'm not doing anything. It's weird. Is it still going on? Hello. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like someone's like scratching on on like a. Huh. Like like right now, it's happening. No, not anymore. 
Okay. I think we're good. Okay. All right. I, I don't know what that was because I wasn't like doing anything. I'm, I'm like looking around in my room now. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's happening? Is someone here? Look at your witch poster. Is that is the witch still on the poster? Is... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, James is. I know you're. Not, I know you're on a laptop, but just we should go to chat roulette right now. <laughs> the end of Unf- <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was just thinking the end of unfriended James's laptop screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> Why make me live with the consequences of my actions? Well, you know what's weird is they've apparently announced a sequel to Unfriended, and the uh, uh, plot synopsis that they've released uh, talks about Blair living with the consequence of her decisions, and my my response is just, wait, did she not die? Did they just retcon that? (laughs) Did they... My, my, no, my hope is that they don't retcon it, and that it's actually just the like what actually happened in the world of the movie is that the ghost slammed her laptop shut, scared her, and then walked away. Stupid dog. Yeah, that that's an interesting movie. You'd heard some bad things about it. Oh, um, uh, there's an hour long review. Uh, on a channel called Your Movie Sucks, just entirely tearing the movie a new one. Um, and, I mean, it's basically just pointing out a lot of uh, plot... Plot inconsistencies. Plot inconsistencies, dumb character decisions, illogical things that happen, which, you know, I, I think is... I, I think in the realm of film criticism is generally smaller potatoes. Um, I don't think that that's... You know, I, like I said, I, I think I could watch the movie from beginning. To, I, I swear, I've seen this review in its entirety, and I have not seen the movie. Um, I think I could watch the movie and and you know find you know a fair amount to like in it. Um, but yeah, it does seem like it's a film uh, entirely filled with people making really stupid decisions. <laughs> but they're also teenagers, so yeah, um, inherently really stupid people. But mm-hmm. still. Still, chat roulette, stupid. I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> that was that. That kind of made me drop my jaw. Like what? She goes on chat. <laughs> Look, uh, I don't remember the exact scenario. I remember it making sense while watching the movie. So. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess it's. I mean, yeah, look. If it can, if it can uh, entrance you enough where you're not questioning it in the moment, then I, you know, that's that's that matters. That's what matters, I guess. So. Yeah. Did it? Did it hinder my viewing experience? No. So. Okay. Oh, great. Did I wrongfully imprison those people? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Were mistakes made? I am told. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my that's my spiel in the woods. I'm really excited for it, even though the trailer doesn't paint anything too... I mean, the thing, it doesn't give away a lot. And that's what I'm... I don't want to say... I don't want to paint it like this trailer is your next bad, like your next trailer bad, because it's it's... It's not, it's just sort of nothing. It's just sort of like, this is a found footage movie that takes place in the woods. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's just my reaction to it is like, look, if, if you, if, if Alfred Hitchcock was somehow magically alive and still making movies, and he released a trailer for a film that's as vanilla as this one, that's at, like, that is, you know, this straight faced and, and just bland. I would, because of who is making it, I would be intrigued to know what what's the end result actually going to be. Because I cannot imagine it would be anything resembling this trailer. 
Um, well, so, I mean, even with Adam Winger, to take that example, I, I would be perfectly satisfied if this was just a really good version of what I'm seeing. You know, sure. if this is just a stri- perfectly straightforward found footage horror film set in the woods, and it was done amazingly, I'd be I'd be really happy with that. It doesn't have to. Not everything has to have this like your your next meta commentary to it. No, no, no. Yeah, I I, I don't mean to imply that. Um, I don't think I I'm not the biggest meta fan in the world. I think it has its limitations, and I think in a lot of sense, in a lot of ways, it's overused. Um, in you know, in modern just art in general um but but i i just i do think that there will be some sort of subversion going on uh from what we expect i think they'll be playing with expectations which which does get me excited um that's a, with one of the things a, we talked about in green room yeah and it's a, it's we a compared bit, it to your next in that in that respect it's a bit meta and self-aware but to me it's not the same as a filmmaker basically just like, like look guys it's a movie you see we're in a movie and i'm like manipulating things because this is postmodern, and we can you know we, we can talk about structure and deconstructing things I'm like, okay okay all right it's, yeah cabin in the woods is really the, the prime example of that it's like, yeah it is and i enjoy cabin in the woods but i don't need another one like i don't i don't want another one no, and your next in Green Room were, they were just more aware of audience expectations. Right. Green right. Room more than your next, I think. Right. Your next was at time making a point of it more often than not. But yeah, they're just they're cognizant of what the audience is going to expect from any given scene, and maybe they subvert it, maybe they don't. But right. it's always intention. It's always intentional. Right. It's- I think it's important to draw a distinction between those two different kinds of approaches. Um, I think that this will probably go for the more subtle, uh, you know, uh, just uh, uh, slightly self-aware and, uh, you know, manipulative approach, uh, you know, manipulative of the audience's emotions. I mean, I mean that as an asset um, rather than just, you know, full on meta horror. Um, but, you know, I will see. Like I said, I, I enjoy not knowing. Um, and yeah, it's. A bit frustrating to see nothing but, you know, generic horror tropes on display here. Um, but because of who's making this, I, I'm fairly confident that that's a deliberate setup for us as audience members. So, um, yeah, it's it, it it'll be interesting to see going forward, and we're definitely gonna have to review it on the show. Yeah, I'm stoked about that. But we should probably get into now the main event. Alright guys. The war you've all been waiting for. We reviewed finally, after all this time. Norma the North. <laughs> it's newly released on Blu-ray. And uh yeah, I just wanted to no. <laughs> I got the special edition, you know, extensive director commentary. Um yeah, it's the extended version, so another forty five minutes of, of Rob Schneider farting into the camera. Um, no reviewing Mother's Day mm -hmm. just came Uh, out if you love your mom you would agree with this decision so you don't love your mom I guess Uh and we don't love our moms either because we're reviewing Civil War god damn it oh yeah (laughs) it looked like something just oh wow it looked like something dropped from the ceiling, like some water, right when you said Civil War. What the fuck is happening tonight? 
I don't know. No, weird... I'm gonna send you a recording of that weird scratching. It's eerie. <laughs> Please do. I'm almost afraid that when you send it and I listen to it on the other end, it'll just be like, <laughs> like you know what to do. <laughs> Kill them all. I don't want to talk about Tony anymore. <laughs> this is Torrance. Okay. This is Torrance. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh man okay all right so, spooky shit's happening let's uh, uh, talk about superheroes <laughs> captain america will save us <laughs> so so yes avengers 3 uh, <laughs> also known as captain america civil war yes captain america the winter soldier 2 bucky barnes i don't, I don't. oh man I should have had you refer to me as James, and then my name is Bucky. Oh shit! <laughs> that would have been so perfect. Uh, Missed it. The boat's gone. Uh, okay. Fuck. No, yeah, we 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 didn't earn it. We didn't we earn it. Dropped the city on that joke. Just like Iron Man dropped the city on some woman's kid, huh? <laughs> That's the plot of Captain America: Civil War. Um, so this is, uh, I mean, Civil War is, I think, one of maybe the most well-known comic book arcs in modern comic books. Like, it's saying something because I feel like not a whole lot of people, I don't know how many people read the comic books anymore. Um, and I distinctly remember the Civil War uh, ti- uh, timeline playing out because uh, it was huge. It spanned different uh, comic series and uh, involved all kinds of characters, uh, had different perspectives. I mean, it was... It was all-encompassing, man. It was a it was an event in the Marvel Universe. Um, and I, I kind of knew before going in that no one movie was going to be able to encompass the whole arc successfully. Um, just because it was, it was too much. Um, so, how did Anthony and Joe Russo fare on their second Marvel outing after the really incredibly well-received Captain America The Winter Soldier, which I don't think anyone was, anyone was expecting to be as good as it was. No. no, It's still one of my favorite MCU films. You as, know, I haven't taken my... the actual time to rank them, but... It'd uh, be my top three, no question. Yeah. yeah so, uh, what, what do we have? Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Iron Man, and <laughs> The Winter Soldier? And the Winter... In some order... Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. I would actually, I would, yeah, probably. Um, the Avengers has uh, fallen out of it. It was up top original, <laughs> but uh, I have to say, James, the more I watch that movie, uh, the more I understand what you meant when you initially told me it was just fan service. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I. Well, the thing, it came out the same year, if I recall correctly, as The Dark Knight Rises. So a lot of my, a lot of. A lot of my criticisms toward it were in relation to The Dark Knight Rises, which is not really how I should review how you should review movies necessarily. Sure. Not that you need to look at all movies in a vacuum. That's certainly not what you need to do. Right. But I'm not really saying anything about The Avengers if I say that the The Dark Knight Rises is a better film. So. Right. I, I and the thing is, I think my reaction against you at that time was. Um, uh, essentially against The Dark Knight Rises. Like, I think I was just trying to. 
I, I think we were having our own civil war. <laughs> and uh, I was just standing by my side. Um, I think I didn't notice the fan service because at the time I was a little too busy uh, being as served. a fan being serviced. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's that's become more apparent to me now. Um, I Actually, I, I blame the Avengers sequel for... Uh, kind of making it more clear to me i think it actually no that's the thing too like avengers 2 was sort of like revealing in that it actually did sully avengers the first avengers because you're like is this really what it is i I say that age of ultron is what you said the first one was but it did also kind of uh awaken me to some of those elements going on in the original (laughs) avengers but it never went as far as like Hulkbuster Iron Man. No, no, the, the oh, fucking God. Hulkbuster. God, no, yeah, the the first Avengers movie, I was seriously, I was just telling you, I was like, Mike, what the hell, Marvel's just giving you a blowjob, and you're like, shut up, Marvel's giving me a blowjob. James, I'm sorry, I've never heard so much criticism about a blowjob before in my life. <laughs> and then Avengers 2, you're like, what the fuck? Marvel's just giving me a blowjob. How did this happen? I'd rather get a blowjob from Marvel than to suck Aaron Sorkin's dick. Okay. <laughs> Come on, you should have said Zack Snyder. Whatever. Zack Snyder. Oh god. Right. That's the thing. You know, honestly, I feel like so many movies we talk about, we can uh, uh, we can divide them up into the into ones that uh, provide <laughs> that that uh, provide sex and ones that demand sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, that's our that's our thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> Great, I'm glad. Um, you know, it's I'm, I'm going to try to work civil war into this conversation. No, 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 I will, I will, because uh, so here's here's the thing, and, and I want to almost approach it like this. Um, Marvel's built this empire uh, where I feel like going into it, uh, going into each new film, people feel compelled. Uh, if they haven't seen all the films coming before, or at least all the films within that one individual series, um, Iron Man, Thor, whatever, uh, to watch all of them, or to bone up on the uh, on the material and the plot of the MCU up until this point. I have never felt that compulsion, uh, because in my mind, if the film can't effectively uh, you know, communicate its conflicts, its characters, its, uh, its, its central themes in a way that I can digest and understand as someone who hasn't necessarily seen all the MCU movies, then it fails in some regard. Um, and I, I hold by that. And that's how I approach Civil War. I have seen all the Iron Man movies, but... Or sorry, not Iron Man. I have seen all the... I have seen all the Iron Man movies. Uh, but I, I've seen all the Captain America movies, but long ago and only once, and I uh, I could not tell you everything that happens in them. I, it's, it's been a while. And I... Like I said, I wanted to revisit The Winter Soldier in particular because I felt like that was the most relevant and the Russo brothers are directing again. But I I didn't. And I honestly didn't... Re- I, I don't regret it because um, I'm kind of happy I got to see this film with slightly uh, fresher eyes, I guess. Um, because I'm, I'm still waiting for a Marvel movie that is completely self-sufficient because uh, I don't think I've gotten that since Iron Man. Which makes sense because Iron Man was... Along with the, the, the original, the OG. Yeah, along with the Incredible Hulk, I'm not sure which one technically came first, but they were they were both the independent movies. So um, now going into each one, I, you know, my ultimate question is: Does this stand well on its own as a movie? And 
and, and can I understand the bulk of it without having seen you know the previous films? I'm obviously not going to get all the callbacks, all the references, but you know the gist is what matters. And with Civil War, I'd say about seventy five percent yes. Uh, yeah, I think so the only thing that came to my mind was the introduction of new characters about halfway through the movie. Um, because they really just relied on the fact that you already know these guys, you know? Exactly. And it was fine. It's like, okay, we got we got Hawkeye, we got uh, Ant-Man, all right, let's bring in Spider-Man from Queens, which we talked about. All they had to do was pop Queens up on the screen, and I was like, wow! I'm really, okay, I'm so embarrassed about this, and I know we're probably coming uh, coming to this a little bit early, but that was the, so that was the introduction. We're coming a little early? They're coming a little early. Okay. Um, Spider-Man is entirely a metaphor for uh, for uh, adolescence, by the way. So coming early is <laughs> completely relevant. Um, uh, I, Wait a I, minute, I, you mean to tell me that a story about a teenager, these weird things start happening to his body, and he doesn't know how to control it? Yeah, he starts ejecting this white goo from himself. <laughs> He's got to hide it from his aunt under his bed sheets. <laughs> You're telling me that is. About adolescence? Have you ever read... There's a James Cameron script. Uh, James Cameron was the original director, or writer-director, whatever. He was he was on the project of the original Spider-Man feature film, before Sam Raimi eventually made one. Huh. Um, it was originally James Cam- in James Cameron's court. And he wrote a script. Um, and I have not read... Are you singing his theme song? <laughs> the greatest pioneer... Yeah. So apparently, the C in this case was the uh, the rough terrain of, of teenage pubescence. <laughs> teenage, as if there's another kind of pubescence. <laughs> and I, I've only read bits of that script, but in, in particular, the parts where he's discovering his powers, it is written in the most explicit way possible to reflect. A teenager masturbating. It's it's uncanny. Like the the metaphor was so on the nose in his screenplay. I think it still pervades in all the other iterations. But um, anyway, my embarrassing thing I was going to say about Spider Man is that you know it, it led into the scene with Captain America saying, "I have a, you know I, I I you know think I know a guy," and then it cuts to Queens. You see Queens. You see a guy. You don't see his head. He's it's cut off. Uh, you know, you only see his like mid back down to his legs, and uh, you know he, he walks in to an apartment, and it you know he doesn't reveal him at first. And I leg- I swear to God, I'm an enormous Spider Man fan, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, who's this? <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> I I and then okay, this is the se- and and what's worse is that was the second time in this movie this happened to me. You know what the first time was? No. This is this is true. This is actually more embarrassing. Is when Black Panther was unmasked for the first time. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what? Yes, that one character who only had two scenes that gave him motivation to want to avenge someone. Turns out to be a superhero. No, I I had that same reaction with Black Panther. I was like, whoa! <laughs> Did not have that reaction with Spider Man though. Maybe, I do find it funny that maybe this, you know Spider Man got taken from you know Sony back to the MCU, and 
but they're still using the MCU films. Just like you know who Spider Man is, you know who it is. You watch uh, those movies okay, and then watch. That is, I I think that is one of. Okay, look, we're we're into this now. We never even talked about what Civil War is about. I think we'll maybe get into. Oh, look, let me just say this before we get into that, as we should. Um, I, th- I, this is just every single point about Spider Man uh, in this whole conversation is going to be me gushing about how perfect he was. He was pretty great in my book. I had a very positive reaction to it, and I was eager to see what you thought as a very hard critic of Spider-Man. As a as a fan of Spider-Man. Um, this made me for, forget Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I was so, like, no, no. It's very... It could not be more different. Um, and I like both of them. Well, uh, I do like both but, of them, but I mean, we had said before, like, oh, man, why couldn't they have just brought Andrew Garfield back? Right. It would have been so cool. And now no, I'm just I'm, like, I'm, no, no. I'm happy they did. I want this Spider-Man. I'm happy they didn't. It fits so well with what they're doing. And honestly, just with the, the quickness and the humor of these movies. Um, but as like look, as a fan of, uh, you know, just the entirety of, of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and all the different interpretations and representations they've had throughout the years... Um, this one, Tom Holland. Tom Holland is the actor, I believe. Yep. Right? Okay. Not Tom Hooper. Not Tom Hooper. <laughs> no. Tom Holland's uh, performance as Peter Parker, to me, is pretty much the perfect representation. It's like the perfect amalgamation of all of them. It's got a little bit of every single one of them. Um, and, mo- you know, important to me, it casts him age appropriate. Um, I don't know how old Tom. How old is He's 19. He's 19? Yeah, I mean, he may have recently turned 20, but, um, he, yeah, he's he's young. He, I would have guessed 14. I would have guessed he was 14 years old. <laughs> yeah, he'll be turning 20 June 1st. He is, he's perfect. It's, he's really great in it's this exactly movie. Exactly. You had talked about that even, that every, every Spider-Man film you've seen has severely underestimated uh, how much of a wisecracker he really is. Yes, yes. And that was my favorite, that was my absolute favorite part about Civil War because unlike The Amazing Spider-Man, where what, what pissed me off the most about that is, you know, the Sam Raimi films, he cracks a couple of cheesy jokes at the Goblin. Like he tries, it's like, he, you know, he's trying to be this, this, he's basically trying to emulate what Spider-Man's supposed to be. Well, he's basically and, just copying a comic book panel, you know. Yeah, that's... and fails. And, and you know, that's fine. Like to me, it's almost like it, part of the humor and the cheesiness is that he's trying and failing to to be funny. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I could see Peter Parker doing that. Like I, like you know, that makes sense. Um, whereas in the comics, I actually, I mean, he is quite often pretty funny. Um, what they did in Amazing Spider-Man is they had one scene, because they knew that that was a criticism of the Sam Raimi movie, so there wasn't enough humor. So they have one scene in the Amazing Spider-Man um, where he uh, is... It's basically his first scene in his official costume uh, where he, you know, uh, captures a car thief or something. It's some sort of criminal. Yeah. And he's just fucking with him the whole time. Why is cracking left and right? doing jokes with his webs, mm-hmm. uh, having having a grand old time. And it's hilarious, and I loved it. Um, and we'd never see that side to him again. And that's again. the show. <laughs> that's it. We'd never see that side to him again the entire franchise. Yep. Um, just to give credit where credit's due, I, I, the, I, I heard a, that pointed out on a 
Chris Stuckman video on YouTube. Um, so just to give credit where credit's due, he pointed that out. Um, but it's it's absolutely fucking true. Uh, that is the only time they made a serious attempt in, in the Amazing Spider-Man movies to imbue Spider-Man with a sense of, of humor. Well, really. and it's funny, too. I had been thinking, I was like, well, yeah, the Andrew Garfield one was, he, he had some wisecracking humor, too. Like, you know, he, they had that scene where he, where he captured the, the drug dealer, and then... Uh, uh, yeah, that see, look, that's why that's why it rubs me the wrong way because it's almost like they tried to trick you into thinking that they gave you that Spider-Man when they absolutely did not. No, they didn't. And and this one too, I love because there's this whoever this Peter Parker, this iteration of Peter Parker is, he's mastered this this fakeness <laughs> that Almost any any of his jokes can be taken as as earnest sincerity, which is redundant. I'm sorry I said that, but still, uh, just pure yeah. earnestness. But because you know it's Spider Man, you know he's just fucking with you. He's insulting you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He'll he'll be, he'll be you know does a clever trick with his web around uh, one character's legs. I'm not gonna spoil it, but he he's wrapping his web around the character's legs, and he's just like, "Hey, you guys ever see that really really old movie, The Empire Strikes Back?" And I'm just like, "God damn it, how old is this kid?" Well, yeah, and it's not it's not that he in my it's mind he, it's not that he it's thinks not, that no, Star Wars no, no, is such no, no, an old just, movie that no one's ever heard of. Like he's just calling them old. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was incredible. Um, uh. I, I loved that part of also what threw me off is because he was walking into an apartment. Um, Peter Parker does not live in an apartment. He lives in a house with, he lives in, I, I believe forest Hills. Is the oh, name excuse thing. me. Peter like, Parker does not live in an apartment. You, you can even, you can even pinpoint the neighborhood. No, no, but I love the change. I love the change uh, of making him live in an apartment. I feel like it's so much more relevant. I feel like it's almost a subtle jab at modern housing. Um, <laughs> because it makes sense. I mean, Peter Parker is they're they're dirt poor. Like that's the whole thing. Is like they're they're poor. Peter's a genius, and he has to work with the limited faculties that he has uh, living with his aunt May, and, and and that's not much. And I it, honestly, in modern day New York, it would not really make sense that Aunt May has a home unless she, you know she, you know, inherited it or or had it or had it from you know when housing was cheaper. Well, that's uh, why I believed it more in the Sam Raimi trilogy because you know she was old. And- she was old, right? In this, that's what I'm saying. In this one. They, if if they casted uh, Peter Parker young, they casted Aunt May really young as well. I would, I would have never envisioned Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. And to be fair, I I still don't think of her as Aunt May. That's that's kind of weird. She's Aunt Tomei. She's Aunt Tomei. Oh my god! What up? <laughs> Whoa! Get out, everybody! <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked her relationship with Peter, but just in and of herself as Aunt May, I just, I'm sorry, I, I still don't think of Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. We'll see how it works in Spider-Man: Homecoming, which in is the, tomorrow. No. What? Oh, in the proms tomorrow. <laughs> no, that's more just an on-the-nose title, like Spider-Man's back with us, where he belongs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you, Sony. By the way, here's a lot of the profits from these movies. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for letting us have them. <laughs> never, never forget you. We never forget you. Praise be uh, to Sony. 
<laughs> Xbox sucks. <laughs> All of the characters in the Marvel movies will now use Sony Ericsons. <laughs> Just like in the... I'm sorry, that, that always bugged me. Uh, the, the rampant Sony product placement in all the Spider-Man movies has always really bugged me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not really relevant here. Um... <laughs> no, sorry. I, God, we have no... Okay. I feel like we're just getting all the Spider-Man stuff out of the way too soon. I'm probably going to keep referencing it. Because uh, just... I love... Uh, I love how he's got the... There's finally a fucking reasonable explanation for the Spider-Man suit. Um, Which is, yeah... Well, Tony actually, Stark made it for him. <laughs> right! But that makes so much sense. It, all the other it does, yeah. I'm not criticizing it. Don't take it, that as criticism. No, I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm just getting emphatic. Um, in all the other films, what they'll, what they'll do is they'll, they'll show him in this like, you know, shitty costume. So he got the shitty version, then his uncle dies, and then he magically makes a, a professional version of that suit. With no additional explanation. He just Like, does. how? Yeah. I, the thing is, the same Remy one did it, and I'm just like, okay, well, you know, this is kind of a goofy movie. Apparently... I, Toby Maguire is like expert at sewing all of a sudden. Yeah, because it's not only a, like you know, it's it's not only like you know really nice like uh, you know uh, texture you know uh, latex or whatever spandex whatever material they use. It's also got like raised webbing and there's like shaped eye goggles. Like, like this is a professional suit. <laughs> like, um, and but you know what? That kind of fit with the tone of the movie. It was it was campy, whatever. Um, and then in the Amazing Spider-Man, I'm like, okay, well, look, this is more, it's probably more gritty, realistic. I mean, that's probably what they're going for. They're totally going to explain the suit. No, they fucking don't. <laughs> it's the same thing. He's got a shitty suit, his uncle dies, and then he gets a better suit. Yep. Somehow. It's it's crazy. And so this one, this one, I mean, honestly, I think out of all the shitty suits, this one's probably got, in, in Tom Holland's probably got the shittiest suit um it's literally a unitard with goggles on it yeah i love that they bring that out they're like I, what is this I, I loved it um and then tony makes a suit for him and you know i had reservations about the suit um i still think that far and away the best on-screen spider-man suit is uh comes from the wor- <laughs> worst spider-man movie amazing spider-man <laughs> 2 yeah yep um but this one really grew on me. The, the, the spider suit in this really grew on me. Um, it works. It, wor- it looked really good. Because the, the introduction we had to it is... Uh, it, pretty much the only time we get exposed to it is in the middle of a battle. So it's, it's, he's moving a lot. It's, uh, you know, he doesn't really get a chance to be stationary for too long. So it's got to it's gotta, um, you know, have a lot of mobility. And it looks awesome. It, it just it gives him... You know all the the freedom of movement he needs. It looks really good. You know, he did, I'm gonna stop describing uh, the suit in a creepy with a creepy amount of idolatry, but uh, <laughs> it it just you know visually as part of the choreography of this fight, it, it fit wonderfully. And that concludes our review of Captain America: Civil War. Thank you, everyone. And I mean, <laughs> okay, look, all right, I. It's just good to have Spider-Man. No, I, you know what? My roommate, I, he asked me, you know, what's the thing I liked about it the most. And I, first thing out of my mouth, no hesitation, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Uh, he, was, he was great. He was probably the most memorable part. Not that the rest of the film was forgettable. I actually like, I'm oh, going to come out with it. I like Civil War quite a bit. It's, I, I do too. Uh, it's a competitor for that top three I just mentioned with me Winter I, Soldier, 
uh, Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also funny because it's it's perfect. It, not, it's, it's certainly not perfect, but it's it does so well what. Um, I think Batman and Superman tried really hard to do. Like it's it's like what I, what I was going to say with the perfect. It's like the perfect counterpoint to Batman v Superman. Well, yeah, the thing is, it creates a conflict that's believable and engaging. And there's not there's honestly there's not whatever whatever side you fall on. There's not a clear right answer, you know. No. And it comes down to more more than just. Batman doesn't like Superman, and Superman doesn't like Batman until right. their mothers have the same name. <laughs> Martha! Why'd you say that name? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I would, like, I'm, because it, hold on, hold on. Okay, so it's before, before we get off of Spider-Man entirely. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just one last thing, because I have heard some criticism not a lot, because I think most people who know Spider-Man knows that they cast him age-appropriate. Um, but I've seen people be like, "What? I like Spider-Man better when he wasn't some fucking whiny kid." And I honestly, like, he's yes, he's younger. Um, that's kind of what I love about Spider-Man in the first place, because the whole idea of Spider-Man is that he's this—he's um, one of the first superheroes like full you know full superheroes with their own comic series um that is a teenager he's not a sidekick he's not robin uh he's not he's not boy wonder he is his own superhero um and he's you know he's he's not rich he's not a rich guy he's poor you know he's uh you know living in new york with his aunt and he's got to deal with a ton of real life problems just like everybody while also being a superhero that was kind of one of the things that defined him and I, I I think he benefits from having that sort of uh, you know naivety and that's you know that, that sense of being small uh, about him. So I I just want to totally rebuke that criticism that he was cast too young. And honestly, I I've heard whiny and I don't get whiny. I, I don't understand where that comes from. I don't. Like when when did he whine? I don't understand. Fine. It was hilarious. He did. He was he was energetic. He was full. I mean, he made funny jokes at other people's expenses. It was amazing. Like I don't. I don't get it. I, I just I just wanted to address that criticism right now, because um, that, that no, I don't I, I don't accept it. Well, I'll, I think the only criticism I can hear, but I wouldn't agree with. I think it's kind of stupid to say so. Um, is that in the Civil War comic book story arc, it was an older Spider-Man. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. It's uh, a good point. It doesn't matter at all. <laughs> No, I, I think it. Look, I would have been all for that if um, they had built Spider-Man up as a character, but they haven't. This is our introduction to him, um, and I would so much rather have. If we're being introduced to the character, they, look, Marvel gets it. We don't need the Spider-Man origin. We don't need the plot because we've seen it a million times. What we need is the character. We need to be introduced to that character. We need to sort of get to know him. And if this keeps going, if, the, if, if Spider-Man's role in the Marvel Universe continues, which I imagine it will, because I think his, it, here it's very successful and hopefully Homecoming will follow suit, um, then we're going to be following him for a while, and we can follow him as he ages and as he grows and as he becomes an adult. Um, but if I'm starting off with this character fresh, I'd rather get to know him in his formative years when he's, you know, first starting out. I mean, he's only been in the film. They even mentioned he's only been Spider-Man for six months. Um, 
And I mean, like he wasn't even fully Spider-Man yet. He didn't have the, the proper suit, and he was just kind of being a vigilante. Um, and I think it's important to kind of get in on that character early and to see him grow. So yeah, I agree with you. It, it, or not agree with you. I mean, he was older in the in the comics, and I would have had no problem with that in a Civil War movie with him being older. But in terms of his the our introduction to his character in this universe, I think I think he needed to be younger, and it just so happened they introduced him in Civil War, and there's no problem with that. It didn't really have a um, did there there wasn't really a, a major issue with that. The only thing we lose is in the Civil War comics. There's this really awesome demasking scene where Spider Man basically reveals that he's been P- Peter Bert, that he's Peter Parker and that he's been Spider-Man since he was 15 years old. Um, it's a great scene. Um, whatever. It can, you know. well, yeah, that, that's more of my, more of my point is that <coughs> in this movie didn't require him to be this old, this old, uh, war, war veteran Spider-Man, you know, uh, at all. It didn't make, it didn't make the, that of central part of his character and that's why i stick to what i said his age in this movie didn't matter and no. you're right i like it i like him as it's young because it's as he's young because it's it's an intro you know we, we yeah. need to see this character i'm excited to see him grow both in real life and in the movies so yeah that's what's cool about spider-man 2 is not just that he's you know a bit more of a human character than i think a lot of other superheroes are um but that throughout the course of his story, he does grow. That is that, that he does age, and that's kind of part of uh, that's kind of part of his mythos. I, I think that that's that's powerful as well. So, um, yeah, uh, color me color me stoked. I am I am so there for for what color is stoked? <laughs> I it's a it's a bit of a peachy. It's a bit of a. a, a it's a grapey, bleachy flavor. <laughs> okay, we should we should get move off Spider Man. Good God, <laughs> I'm sorry. This was important to me. What? And it it is. You don't have to explain it any further because then you're gonna just gonna talk more about. <laughs> I was a child. Spider Man said no. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I want to talk about and with with the civil war and we had talked about it a little bit with the avengers and its fan servicey nature and one of my criticisms of a lot of the well both avengers movies and a lot of the mcu movies to date was just the sheer amount of collateral damage that they did not care about <laughs> and this is a movie that actually attempts to care about that which i like I, I, although it you know my roommate pointed this out to me. They kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. I think they mentioned in the movie that 7D people died in the uh, original attack on New York. That's 7-0. I, I, yeah, watch, that, watch that attack. Watch that battle again and tell me that 70 people died. The skyscrapers that's, fall down. <laughs> that's, that's about the equivalent of, like, honestly, that's, in terms of magnitude of misrepresentation of, of human casualties, that is worse than Alfred going to Bruce Wayne. It's a miracle no one was <laughs> It's a miracle only 70 people were killed. <laughs> as opposed to half the fucking city. Yeah. Seven, it, 70? It, no. It, no. No. I, no, but, I, remember watching that scene and i okay sorry if this is a little insensitive i was just like this is like 29 11s like this is this is horrible like this is just this this would be one of the like most devastating events on u.s soil 
ever. Yeah. And, and and it's only taken them uh four years of Marvel movies to to call them out for, hey, maybe a bit maybe you guys blew up a bit too much stuff. Well and the thing is world. Where, where I think the flying was and this is so so weird, but just before this, I watched a movie uh, called Eye in the Sky. Um, it was one of Alan Rickman's last films. Oh. Uh, his very last film is going to be Alice Through the Looking, Looking Glass, so ended uh, on a high uh, note. Uh, uh. Uh, but uh, Eye in the Sky was really good, and it was a big debate. Uh, the, the whole film, I don't mean a part in the film, the whole film was this long, drawn-out, bureaucratic debate about whether or not to drone strike this hot spot of terrorists when they could see clearly that there was a little girl in the blast radius and and how i relate this is because there's a lot of debate between the the damage that something has caused and the bigger picture and (laughs) i hated that they brought that they were showing new york uh you know the in Captain America: Civil War and like all the damage that it caused and the the seventy people that died and I'm sitting here like, okay, you know how many people would have died if they weren't there? Yeah, no, it's true. Like everyone, there, mm-hmm. everyone on the planet would have died if they weren't there. Right, and and in terms of like if if we're gonna take this universe at its word and be like, okay, seventy people died, it's like, okay, I understand that those seventy people had a right to live. But th- this would have killed. I mean, this was th- this was a siege not just on New York City, on the entire world. Mm-hmm. Are are you can't possibly suggest to me that the Avengers intervening wasn't in everyone's best interest? No, no. If they showed that scene of Iron Man, uh, Hulk busting Hulk, you know, knocking down <gasps> oh buildings God. in this what? innocent African nation, what? you have a point. The what? problem with that what? is that I'm brought up once. Yeah, the problem with that is that that is that would been Iron Man causing the damage. <laughs> right. I'm actually surprised they didn't bring that up at all. I know it's like that's what you got to point to, not yeah, but, the not that they accidentally maybe caused some deaths while saving the planet. I mean, yeah. hell, the Hulk is. I think along with Iron er, with the uh, Thor, Hulk is one of the two Avengers who's not in this movie. Well, and you know it's funny I just listened to an it, interview that was on the B movies podcast with the screenwriters and they were actually like Hulk and Thor just kill a, a fight scene because they're way too powerful. <laughs> it's true. I actually I, I thought about that afterwards like can you imagine either Hulk or Thor in that air in that airport battle between the two sides of the civil war? Yeah, exactly. Like, It'd be way too unruly and none of the tight like None of the tight, interesting action would have could have mattered. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah, Spider-Man webs around and and uh, Hawkeye shoots Zero. Oh, and then Thor summons lightning and kills everybody who <laughs> disagrees with him. Yeah, even even giant Ant-Man. It's like, oh yeah, and Ant-Man's shin got turned into dust by Thor. <laughs> although I although I do find one thing interesting because he clearly you know, they, they're clearly aware. Uh, I think that's a good reason to keep them out of the the, the conflict. Um, but then what's their fucking excuse for Vision? <laughs> Vision is a little Vision, overpowered, yeah. Vision is, I would honestly, even with those two involved, I would say Vision is probably far and away the most powerful of the Avengers. No, and they don't put a lot of screen time on him. Like his... all. They don't use him. He's he's basically God. Like, he's, he's essentially Dr. Manhattan. 
he has Dr. Manhattan's powers, uh-huh. more or less. And all he really does in this movie is walk through walls, get trapped, and almost cripple Bodie. Bodie, wait, what's it? Uh, sorry. Bucky? No, uh, a war machine. What's... Oh, oh, uh, Rhodey. Rhodey. Rhodey, James Rhodes. James Rhodes, Rhodey. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Th- that's it. That, that, that's what he does. Oh, wait, no, no, well, he, he almost stops the Captain America and Bucky from escaping. Almost. Okay. Um, yeah, almost. He. It's kind of like Rachel Dawes almost oh, interrogated oh. Lau. It's almost like Rachel Rachel Dawes almost survived the Dark Knight. <laughs> she didn't. And we're all better off because of it. <laughs> uh, close only counts in horseshoes, James. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's all he does. I'm like, he could he could look if he can find a more creative way to kill someone. He could probably just enter inside of them and then like become solid again and rip them out from the inside. Like he is he is horrifyingly powerful. It's true. Yeah, they just sort of. But you know, they also did describe him. You know, not quite as in this all-knowing, all-powerful state, but that he definitely has that ability. But it's stuff, it's stuff that he hasn't really like tapped into yet, and and even even his stance on on the conflict at hand. You know, the debate between Captain Captain America and Iron Man. He obviously sides with Iron Man, but they're not. The screenwriters aren't aren't necessarily saying like he's right. They're saying like he is learning and this is the side he falls on now. So, yeah, I mean, I liked that. I also think that, uh, it's, it's almost like, well, whatever side visions on is, is the right side because, uh, he's vision and he can kill you if you're on the wrong side. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the right side in that, ex- in, in, in those terms. Yeah. What was it? Oh yeah. It actually almost reminded me of uh, the line in blue ruin, blue ruin. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, you're holding the gun. You get to tell the truth. Yeah. It's like, that's okay then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why don't we, why don't we, uh, we've, um, look, if anyone has not seen, uh, civil war, I cannot imagine that our conversation up to this point has been very intelligible. <laughs> So (laughs) why don't we just very briefly go over what the central conflict is and what Captain America has to do with it. Why, why is this his movie? And I, this is more of a Captain America movie than I gave it credit for before I saw it, you know? Um, but how it is, is that the Avengers are approached by generic government operative. Number one, um, who said who confronts them with their all their collateral damage you know you see this in the trailer the videos of all the destruction they caused um and then puts a proposal on the table that says you guys are no longer independent you guys are going to be part of part of the united nations council i think um just mm-hmm. one of them and yeah. you'll this is a way of putting you in check and making sure people are safer because of it and Tony Stark, Iron Man, loves the plan, partially because of that encounter you alluded to earlier with the the mother of a mm-hmm. child that died in Sokovia. What's and Captain name? America doesn't really like the plan. Uh, he still he says, I still think the safest hands are our, are our own. And I like I like the point you brought up that sort of no one addresses. <laughs> He's like, what? 
okay, what what's going to happen when they send us to a place we don't want to go or when we need to go somewhere and they won't let us do it, mm-hmm. you know? And no one that's a really good point that yeah. no one no, bring, one no one counters at all. No one even questions it. Like no one no one else even presses that question and no one else even uh, offers yeah, no one offers no one else offers any kind of uh reassurances about it no one's like oh well you know i they they, you know we share their same interests i don't know why they would use us for an ulterior motive which in and of itself is super naive but they don't even give themselves that false that 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 false uh consolation it's just ignored completely um yeah i mean he's Captain America this is probably why I fell inside of Captain America a lot because I, I do look on the greater 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 good side of it and the government is essentially trying to weaponize them yeah, <laughs> like yeah. well, point them so, at something and then shoot so I want to give them credit I want to give this movie credit because it never took it quite there I it, like what they what they did is essentially give the government the power to weaponize them but the government never expressed any desire to weaponize them. There was never a plot that we know of. I mean, this is this is the the government. This is the UN. There could be some shady shit going on. But they they, they never presented any plot where there was no Vincent D'Onofrio going. We have to turn them into weapons <laughs> because I'm every '80s movie villain combined into one being. Like there's there's. I feel like you did his character from. Um... Jurassic World in the the Kingpin voice. <laughs> yeah, I because I, I actually we have to combine. I actually remember that character in Jurassic World it, it, talking in Kingpin's voice <laughs> because I we have to turn them into weapons. He's such a forgettable character in Jurassic World, and Kingpin is such a memorable character in Daredevil that. I think that I remember the plot from Jurassic World, but I have to put Kingpin's <laughs> cadence over it. Um, um, so I give them credit that they never introduced that because it's such a cliche, if not an accurate one. I'm pretty sure if the government had control of these superhumans, they would absolutely use them for ulterior motives. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's... I'm, w- I'm wondering if they're going to approach that in later films because would, the thing about these accords that they signed is that they're still in effect. It's and that's that's probably we're, I'm jumping way ahead, but I don't I don't fucking care. Um, the the end of this movie doesn't resolve the conflict they were fighting over. No, the fight ends, but what they were discussing, the points they were making, are still both valid and active. So yeah, yeah. I was. These, I was- Oh, Other ahead. Avengers, Captain America side, like they're they're in hiding. They're fugitives. It's it's definitely the coldest ending to a Marvel movie that I remember. Um, to it's, I, I was happy they decided to go that way because I I had a bad feeling that, that they were gonna try and end it on an up note. Um, the closest thing to a uh, positive beat we get at the end of this movie is. That Captain America essentially says, "Hey, we'll still be here. Uh, you know, if if the you know if you need us, if the world needs saving, we we'll still work toward it." You it know, sends an the, olive branch, which is the, this burner phone. This is just call us. Yeah, just call us. We'll be there. Um, but they're operating as vigilantes outside of the law and not on the same team. The 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 Avengers are effectively broken up. Well, yeah, and that's the the villain, which we'll talk about right yeah. now. 
we're going to talk about the villain right now. Um, I liked him a lot. Okay. Which is, I've never heard you say that about a Marvel villain before. I, I know. <laughs> oh, it feels good, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. There's, the, thi- the thing is, this is, this villain is sort of set up as any generic Marvel villain, really. Yeah. E- even with the implications of it being a personal fight, he's still doing, it still seems to be doing just standard villain shit. You know, that's what they think the plan is. He's trying Mm -hmm. to go release four Winter Soldiers that he can control. And then it's going to culminate in this big fight between Captain America and Iron Man and Bucky Barnes. You now all have to team up to fight these other super Winter Soldiers that just couldn't be beat except by the three of them. They're stronger than any of us, but they're not stronger than all of us. So, So can I, like... When we enter into the final act of this movie, I mean, this is this is a long fucking movie. It's really long, but this is two, two, over two and a half hours. It's probably it's maybe even closer to three. I'm, I'm not sure. If if it it was long, um, when we entered into the third act, where you think that it's going to play out a certain way, the way you were just describing, I was just so exhausted. I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't, I, I don't want it. Like I, I, I don't want this in this movie. This is not the part I find interesting. No, fuck it all. Well, and, and two, the, and yeah. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you continue. Actually, okay. I, I was just gonna say it has become what, how it actually played out is my favorite final act to a Marvel movie thus Definitely. far. It's it's my favorite because almost even the ones I love like Guardians of the Galaxy I think the final act's their weakest, um, because I'm no longer like the, the, to me the characters are always the most interesting parts and the the format is generally you know uh, you know introductions characters uh, you know the most clever writing all that comes earlier it builds a sense of character it builds the world out it does all this and that's what I find fascinating the end's always a kind of a laborious battle and I, those are always the least interesting parts for me i i it always loses me cons- consistently um this completely flipped that format on its head um it was the the last the last act is entirely character and it is heavy character it is yes. like getting into the nitty-gritty of who these people are what their you know basest animal you know Basis animal feelings are uh, it, it it just it, it exposes the ugliest side of them it is mean and i i was so engrossed in it and we can talk we could we're gonna talk spoilers now i don't know if we yeah, ever okay. a spoiler warning we've been doing this everything but when i when i saw what was happening you know when iron man follows them off a investigation tip by um what is it a Falcon, um, you know, he he talks to Falcon in the in the prison, and then yeah. Falcon gives some details, and then he's like, okay, now I can track them down and help them because it turns <laughs> out I was wrong about about uh, Bucky Barnes this whole time. And I, the thing is, at that point though, I saw the trailer. I knew that Captain America, Bucky Barnes, and Iron Man are going to have this this two on one fight. Yep. So when they get there, and he's like, no, it's a truce. I'm like, what could they possibly do? 
to make it so that these three are going to fight again. That's make me going to make me think it's realistic. I, I didn't think there was anything in the world. And it, it put me in that exact same mood you were that I was just like, oh, I know where this is going and I don't like it. And then all of a sudden, Bucky Barnes killed, killed Iron Man's parents. Yep. And not just... And not, it's not just the learning, the knowledge that, oh, Bucky Bucky killed my parents. It's seeing him brutally murder it's, them on it's, camera. It's really effective the way they do it. I actually think it would have maybe even been better if we only saw it through the uh, grainy footage that Iron Man sees it through. Because there's something... Because the thing is, the way the scene's presented, it kind of it cuts between... The scene in the in the hangar where Iron Man is watching this footage of Bucky Barnes murdering his parents, um, and the actual scene uh, which we caught a glimpse of earlier in the movie when he's the Winter Soldier, and and you know basically a professional camera showing him taking them out and, and you know killing his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost just colder and uh, and that much more brutal when you just see this like you know this uh, fuzzy old footage. Uh, it's like it's like there's no emotion or feeling in it, and that's that's how the Winter Soldier, of course, approached these murders. It, it meant he he didn't, you know, Bucky Barnes wasn't in control of himself. He didn't know what he was doing, and it was just treated uh, kind of clinically. You know, there's just no emotion there, and that's what that's what incenses Tony so much. Yeah. Um, and well, and his whole and that's when the villain's plan is fully revealed that his his plan was actually to rip them apart not just try yeah. to get them to fight and they were fighting by themselves you know so uh but the funny thing is because like this has been a plot in avengers movies before like that was loki's thing you know he wants to just you know create dissension among the group and all that this was but but that was just you know it, it's nothing compared like this is this felt heavy like this this felt like a fucking punch in the face compared to that um it oh was, yeah, and yeah. it's not like Batman vs Superman, and where they're clearly being manipulated and the characters don't care about. It. Well, one character, Batman, doesn't care about, doesn't care to know. It's like I just don't like you, and I'm going to kill you. Um, don't you want to know why I'm here? No, no, yeah. Um, and in this one, it actually it totally makes sense in this last fight, uh, and it actually they did similar things earlier, but in this last fight. Steve, Captain America, says, you know, he says something along the lines of, this is what he wants, and Iron Man's like, I don't care, he killed my parents. That's the thing, I... I, I and I can't, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I believed him, and I was almost, I mean, honestly, it, a part of me was just with him. I was just like, fucking, yeah, he killed your parents, piece of shit. Like, there's just no... That's the thing, they built up to this fight that is, okay, you want to call it fan servicey, whatever, um... But like emotionally, you can follow that trajectory perfectly. Um, it makes sense. That I cannot actually tell you why Batman and Superman were fighting. <laughs> no, I they can't. just didn't like each other. That's it. Like, like I can give you the movie's artificial reasons for why they were fighting, but they don't make any sense when you think about them. Like, well, like Batman hates Superman because uh, he doesn't care about the collateral damage <laughs> uh, and and the thoughtlessness of Superman's actions. Even though um, Batman's a murderer. Even though Batman's a cold-blooded murderer. And Superman doesn't like that he's a vigilante. Uh, that Batman's a vigilante. Even though... He's a vigilante. Hello? 
Like they all, they both stand for the exact same things. And mind you, the, I agree. Those characters are different, and they have different interpretations of justice. And that's why a conflict with them is totally possible and has been done very well before in The Dark Knight Returns. Um, why the fuck didn't they do that again? <laughs> like, honestly, you could take that similar dynamic and apply it to the movie. The, the, that's why Batman v Superman failed so profoundly for me, is that it, 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 the basic premise of its, of, of its whole existence, the title itself, is not justified. No. Yeah, there's a Batman versus Superman fight, but th- what are they actually fighting over? Well, and and I like in Captain America Civil War, they actually try to not fight, which is not something I've ever seen in, in this type mm-hmm. of movie. I mean, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Captain America, he says as soon as they meet at the airport, he's like, you've got the wrong guy. You know, that's the first thing out of his mouth. Whereas, yeah. like, the first thing out of Superman's mouth should have been, Lex Luthor has my mom and is As trying to blow up the world. He's trying to get us to fight each other. I need your help. Yeah, that should have been the first thing out of his mouth. And he's like, no, you do, shouldn't do this. Oh, Wait. He, ha- he has stop. my mom. He has my mom. That would have tipped him off. Like, oh, shit, you have a mom? Oh, you're... <laughs> like, that's What's your mom's name? It's, appar- it's apparently all it takes to win Batman over to your side. Like... Yeah. <laughs> but, <sighs> yeah, and... The thing is, I, I and I like this part about it, that Captain America, he doesn't know. He can't know that Bucky didn't do the things that people are saying he did. He can't right. know. Like, he... Right. There, I mean, he has no reason to know. He is very resolved. He, Bucky told him, and that is all the information he needs. He's like, I trust you. I know you didn't do this. Um, but from their perspective, that why would they, why would they have... Why would Iron Man believe them? Why would anyone believe him? Right. Right. Uh, because all they have to go on is his word. Exactly. I, I didn't do it. It's like, well, all the evidence to the contrary suggests you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- yeah, this movie actually, uh, I guess Winter Soldier initiated it. Um, but this movie took maybe my least favorite Avenger and made him possibly my favorite. Captain America? Captain America. Yeah. I didn't know he was your least favorite Avenger. <laughs> he was, he was uh, at first. Yeah, he was. I just thought he was such a Boy Scout. And he's... I don't know. I, I've gotten this newfound respect for The thing is, he's not... First of all, I mean, this movie clearly reveals him to be not a Boy Scout, uh, but rather someone who will stand up for what they see as just, regardless of what... Play yourself like a tree and say, no, you move. Exactly. Um, there's a wonderful scene in... that I, I've sent you before, actually, in the uh, Civil War comic book, which I think that's where that line is from, right? Uh, I believe it is actually. Yeah, it's um that that they're referencing that scene. It's actually a in the in the scene. It's presented as a Mark Twain quote. I'm not a hundred percent sure it actually is a Mark Twain quote, um, but he it, it's seen between Spider-Man and Captain America, and he tells uh, Spider-Man asks him like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you fighting for this? And Steve Rogers tells him the story about when he was you know reading a Mark Twain book and he came across that this uh, you know quotation that he wrote down and memorized and kept with them forever that basically you know the gist of it is that um even when the entire world is telling you that what you know is right is wrong it's it's your duty as an american to you know stand up for what you see as as liberty and justice and not uh not kowtow to what what is popular or what is you know uh what is dictated by law um that 
that true justice exists outside of human interference and that you have to stand up for what you essentially view as just. And I'm totally butchering it. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful scene uh, in context, both, I, I think both in the comics and in the version they used in the film, which is totally different, but it works just as well. Um, it's, it's a phenomenal scene. And for me, that just, it clicked at those moments, what Captain America is all about. Um, and I got this newfound respect for him. I also think that uh, Chris Evans is one of the few people who can play a superhero completely straight. Who can just be this kind of classic idea of a superhero that we have. Well, and I wish like uh, other movies that he's been in besides Captain America movies would get that right. I, I know. <laughs> both Avengers movies, and they definitely played up. I mean, fuck, the first thing he says in Avengers 2 is language. Yeah, you know, no, he is. No, he doesn't he is, want people to swear. Like, where did is, that come from? No, he is such a Boy Scout in the Avengers movies. His own movies treat him so much better, and I think that this is maybe the most multifaceted look at him as a character we've had. But honestly, I, I will say this: I think that Chris Evans at this point, Chris Evans, Captain America, is more of a super. Like, he's our Superman. Uh, in like modern superhero movies and we have another superman technically uh <laughs> but <laughs> this is you know chris evans is filling that role he is that he's that earnest warm uh you know uh principled uh, you, you know benevolent superhero presence that i honestly don't see pretty much anywhere else right now like uh, you know all other all the other heroes you know they have sort of their their own you know personal demons and their own you know fallibility and darkness and i'm not saying chris evans doesn't but there's just like this you know this earnestness and positivity about him that you know you don't obviously don't get with someone like iron man who's so jaded um you know with spider-man even who's you know such a wise ass um and like i said i, I love it um but I, I think Chris Evans brings something that no one else does. And I, I haven't really, uh, you know, Civil War and Winter Soldier gave me respect for that that I didn't necessarily uh, understand beforehand. I, I agree completely, so I'm not going to try to expound upon it and r ruin what you said. But uh, what, what have we talked about? I've talked about how uh, I actually cared about why they're fighting, why they're fighting um, made sense. And this is something that, seriously no other superheroes fight each other scenario has done for me and that's it it added stakes and a legitimate sense of danger for the people fighting each other <laughs> namely and i guess i was surprised to hear that you experienced this as well in the final fight at the end i thought it resolved i literally thought it resolved with captain america killing iron man yeah and that because, would have been ridiculous. Of course, I forgot yeah. about some some line, some throwaway line in uh, I, uh, one of the other MCU movies that Tony Stark doesn't need his chess piece to survive anymore. Yeah, I, I was that in Iron Man three. I think it was Iron Man three. Yeah, or maybe he had some like surgery I, or something. Because I think after I rem, I mean after it was clearly not. So what happens? Because we're in spoiler talk now. What happens is Captain America smashes his shield into Tony Stark's chest piece. Yeah, the edge of the shield, like, stabs it. Yeah, and it breaks. And I, look, the look on Tony's face, the way the, the, like, the musical cue they used at that moment, 
I and, and the, the, just the grave seriousness of Captain America's face. I was just like, oh shit, he just killed fucking Iron Man. Yeah, he broke his heart. And <laughs> and you're breaking my heart. If 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 they could only fit in the line, he died of a broken heart. <laughs> no, and and oh, that's. It's, but I I was so convinced he was a goner. Like, like I, yeah, and in and in, of course in hindsight, that's ridiculous. Tony Stark, well. Fuck Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. is signed on to like four more movies at know, least, like contractually obligated. Of course, they're not gonna fucking kill him off. But goddamn, how did this movie convince me that it was happening? And it, it did so. I'm gonna answer my rhetorical question. It, it did so by by as I said, creating this sense of danger for anybody. These real stakes that there's actually something that can be gained or lost through through this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it was a powerful scene, and and even regardless, I mean, I'd actually like to see it play out again, knowing it's not it's not a death blow, <laughs> because yeah. I think that there's also like just a powerful symbolic moment being communicated there as well, like just you know he is. I I, I think even though it doesn't literally have the effect of killing him, it metaphorically might as well. You know, it's it's that powerful. And it's it really got down to the heart of the issue. Yeah, it's presented as that much of a of a you know an exclamation point to the end of their relationship. Like it's just, it's uh, it, it it's just given a very seminal. Like it's presented as such a seminal moment in that conflict. Um, I do. I I, I do think that the Avengers that the Marvel movies in general do suffer. And I think to some degree, uh, this could apply to civil war, um, do suffer from a lack of stakes, not because just cause you know, everyone in the whole world is disposable, uh, according, you know, according to, uh, you, these movies, because the alternative is that everyone dies. So it doesn't really matter how much collateral damage ensues because the alternative is much worse. Um, so we know that that's not really going to get attention. And even when it gets attention here, it's like, you, you know, the saying like, you know, one death is a tragedy. The death of 10 million is a statistic. Yeah. Uh, like even here in this movie to get us to care about that, they have to have like one kid highlighted. Like this <laughs> kid who was studying to be a, you know, whatever. And he went abroad he, for a summer and he died. And and like, yeah. He was helping build sustainable housing. Yeah. Like we have to have this backstory for one, one of the, quote unquote 70 i'm sorry this was in slacovia right so yeah yeah maybe there was more maybe so like there 72 was probably more <laughs> dropping a whole city on on a village will do that um <laughs> yeah so we have to even then we have to have this like one person so th- that they you know these films don't really care about that outside the context of you know a film like civil war um and within the group I never ever get the sense in any of these films that any of them are actually going to die. Um, and I think maybe that's why, you know, I get kind of ball numbed in the final battles in every single one of these movies. And this is just consistent. Um, it, it's cause like, I'm not really afraid for anyone's life. It's just, it's just a bunch of shit being thrown at me and the camera whizzing around really fast and everyone flying all over the place. And it's, it's active, but it's not, it's neither visually interesting or suspenseful, really. Um, so, A, that's why I'm so happy with how Civil War resolved, because it actually uh, shrunk its conflict down. It, it 
it condensed it. It took it, you know, it, you know, even, you know, earlier you get it, you get the action scene in the middle of a huge city right away in this movie. That 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 comes at the beginning. Uh, in the middle, you have this intimate conflict between the the Avengers, and at the end, you have it literally between three people. Um, so I like how the the conflicts get more and more personal as the film progresses. Um, it's kind of the inverse of what usually happens, and I'd like to see more of that because. You know, even when it doesn't actually kill off any of its characters, there's there seems to be more, uh, you know, th- there seems to be more of a personal uh, stake in it. You know, there seems to be more at risk in terms of individual characters. So, I, I think structurally, that's what this movie does really well. I I would, um, actually, I I do have one question for you in regards to Tony Stark's character. Okay. Um. After what trans after what uh, transcribed it transcribed fucking it's it's late uh, yeah. after what transpired in Iron Man two, uh, the the whole Ayn Rand Atlas shrugged parable, um, do you buy Tony Stark being a government shill? Well, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it seems like a a stark shift uh, <laughs> with um, because his whole stance in iron man 2 was fuck you government i am keeping my weapons they're safer in my hands i'm not going to hand them over to you so you could do whatever you want with them and keep third world countries down you know <laughs> uh we i've privatized world peace is what he wanted so uh you know it was i will say that it was shoehorned a bit um because they they tried to explain in a little i don't know if you caught this uh with Iron Man talking about how he's, you know, sold off his suits because he had a change of heart because of Pepper Potts. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, wanting to spend more time with her and things like that. Basically, standard retirement talk. Um, and it wasn't the most believable, but that to me was refrigerator logic because I didn't really think about it too much when I was watching the movie. It, it didn't it didn't hinder my viewing experience at all when I was watching it. I... I just sort of accepted that the Captain America, sorry, not the Captain America, the Iron Man at this stage would think this way. And, you know, I don't know exactly how long it's been since the events of Iron Man 2, and maybe maybe it's too shift. It's it's nothing like fucking Two-Face turning in one movie or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, okay. First of all, great point. Um, if I'm going to call out Tony Stark for this, I have to call out Harvey Dent Two Face a lot more. He turned in half a movie. Let's not even call it the whole movie. Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, it, one could say he was two faced. Um, <laughs> I uh, we're starting that pun show you're talking about again. <laughs> uh, um, okay, fair point. Um, but I will say I never actually bought Tony's transformation into into this. I I, I thought it seemed. Uh, I thought it seemed way too convenient, uh, particularly with the addition of, you know, uh, a worried mother. Not worried mother. <laughs> She's not worried anymore. It's, I'm worried about my dead son. Yeah. Oh, God. I think he's dead. I think he's dead. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, um, of, 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 a, of a grieving mother. Um, you know, th- it just seemed very artificial to me. I... You know, after Tony's, I mean, t- Tony, you know, he made the, 
he made the personal property capitalist argument to the fucking U.S. government, uh, who were trying, who was trying to, you know, you know, legally dictate that they have a right to the Iron Man suit because of how dangerous it is. Um, and he has a change of heart when the proposal is to let the government sanction every single mission you go on. Mm-hmm. Um, I that seemed to clash with Tony's character to me. Um, everything that he was presented as beforehand. I'm not saying there can't be growth and change, and I think remorse in Tony is important, uh, particularly in this film. It's This is a different Tony Stark than we've seen before. Well, um, the thing is, it was hinted at. You know, we can't talk yeah. about it as just going from Iron Man 2 to Civil War, because there were yeah. three movies since then. There was Iron Man 3, Avengers, right. and Avengers 2 that he was in, and at the end of, end of Avengers 2, he was talking about hanging it up. You know, he did hang it up. He handed the Avengers over, basically. I know, I know. Um, that's true. And but I, this does go back to what you're saying about can this movie not rely on the character development from past movies? Exactly. I I'm not gonna lie. I actually forgot <laughs> at the end of Age of Ultron, Tony was interested in hanging it up. I well, yeah, I, and it was actually a very somber ending for him because he was. It wasn't just like, yeah, I've, I've done a, I've had a good career. I did this. It was kind of just like questioning the validity of anything he had done, you know, and just well, maybe not too much morally, but still, there was some doubts, regrets. It was, it was a, it was a good mix, I think. So, <laughs> okay, I. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. I it just in terms of the overall arc, I, I still um, I'm not entirely sold, but I do really appreciate that they kind of I mean, they start Tony off at a troubled place in this movie and, and they end him at probably the lowest note he's, he's been in, in yeah. this franchise so far. So I, I like that they clearly had a consistent vision throughout the film as to what they wanted Tony Stark to stand for, uh, where they wanted him to go. Um what not physically emotionally um and 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 just what they wanted out of this character um so i I do have to give them that uh it just seemed to me because it was i mean because this is the anchor of the conflict as a whole it needs to be solid and and don't get me wrong compared to like batman v superman it totally was the conflict was clear um i just wanted maybe a little more uh you know, co- you know, cohesion in terms of why characters are on the side that they're on. It just seemed a little too convenient. You know, split down the middle, half half. You know, it it makes sense why the why Vision would be you know more. Uh, I guess uh, you know democratic. Or you know, he he'd be more on the side of the. Uh, of the official law enforcers as opposed to you know vigilante justice honestly that to me was the least believable part oh really i was like, I was like vision someone who's supposed to be god who can't see who's basically god who can't see the greater yeah, good but i always saw him as the thing is he's got the powers of god but i always kind of saw vision as uh I, I mean he was jarvis right this is jarvis's ai yeah who formed the basis of him i always just kind of saw him as uh a servant you know someone who Someone who assists a master, um, and I could totally see him being essentially the U the the UN's Jarvis. Okay, fair enough. Fair. I, I, I buy that's that. Why, that's why he didn't surprise me. We uh, are running kind of long. I do want to talk about one thing before we finish, and that's Black Panther. Yes. Oh, and I think okay. <laughs> hilariously, enough, I'm not saying anything about his character. I think I know why Ava DuVernay left. 
And that's because some left the Black Panther film, that is. And that's because someone told her, all right, listen, Ava, uh, you're going to direct this film. It's going to be great. You can do whatever you want with the character. Every time he's on the screen, we need to have bongo drums. Wait. Did that happen in Civil War? <laughs> yes, in Civil War, every scene is it. I don't know if it's necessarily bongos, but there's like the African drums playing in the background. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? I feel horrible that I did not notice this. <laughs> it's kind of like the. It's kind of. It's almost a, a parody. You, you know, a joke, a, like, a running joke throughout the uh, movie. I mean, luckily, I'm happy about this. You cannot call Black Panther the token character because uh, there are actually now many uh, superheroes of color uh, in this franchise, which is awesome. But yeah, War Machine. Uh, there's War Machine, Falcon, Falcon and Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. Um, Okay, fine, three. Whatever, it's it's progress. Um, <laughs> That's a percentage. It's a per- It's a, it's a, it's there an are, amount there, out of another there, amount. It's not like there's tw- like it's not like there's twenty five Avengers. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 better than you know one or none. Um, but wow, I actually I, I kind of feel bad. I did not notice that, and yeah. <laughs> I. I feel like it was subconsciously influencing me without as a, I should have had faculties as a critic. Be <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, because if I was Avery Duverde and someone was like, yeah, whenever Black Panther's on the screen, bongo drums, I'd be like, you gotta really African this up, all right? Ooh, just, you know? No. <laughs> I'm going to take my directing talents elsewhere. Do not patronize me. <laughs> and as she's walking out, the guys are like... So long, Ava. That's horrible. As for Black Panther himself, though, I was pretty intrigued by him. I mean, his setup was pretty quick. It was just like... Alright, now i got to kill Bucky Barnes. But I liked the overall arc because the arc was so contrary to what... Tony Stark and even Captain America were fighting about, not necessarily for, and that's, you know, he's someone who starts as, I want revenge against this person, and then realizes, sees what this is doing to everybody, and takes a different path. You know, he, he doesn't kill the person who killed his father, and he doesn't let that person kill himself. He's finally looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, like like a lot of things in this film, I'm, I, I'm off, I, in this case, I'm more a fan of the payoff than the setup. Yes, exactly. The yeah, setup of I, him was kind of. Oh, it was no, it was trite. I, I, I will, I will go as far as to say, like everything about that was was cliche as fuck. I, the the, he you know he loses his father in a pretty predictable, bomb explosion. He has the same slow motion, you know, hugging him as he dies, rocking on you, you know, you know, scene. It's, it's I've seen it a million times. And then the next scene is a superhero. Like I'm like, okay, whatever. Like it's just it seemed obligatory. Like he just had to do it. Um, I want to know more, but but based on where that character goes in the end, and like you said, that that kind of you know you know that different approach he that different perspective he gains by the end, it, it makes me more interested to see his own movie. But I don't. Like I, I'm intrigued by Black Panther, but that's as far as I'll go. I don't think that this film was entirely successful in introducing him. No, no. I mean, not and even... I think that was probably by design. I think they deliberately left a lot out so that the Black Panther film can be 
you know, a, a more thorough introduction. Um, but I, I'm also not a huge fan of that approach. Like, if you're going to have a character, either have them be, you know, either... I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite here because I said that I want them to be self-sufficient. Um, I do, but also, like, you can't... You can't fit in an origin story as a as a back thought like this, you know? It, you can't... I don't know. Like, I, I would need something more substantial to, to build a, a character off of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, I'm a I'm a bit of a hypocrite in this sense. Um, maybe I'm looking for a, a perfect middle ground that doesn't exist. Uh, but to Probably. me, but to me, Black Panther was rushed. He was, and yeah, I, I but I still stand by. I liked I liked his uh, overall arc and the payoff. Yeah, uh, I, I, I yeah, like I said, I like the payoff better than the setup. I I think also he is just a badass in combat. It was fucking awesome to see. So. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was cool. But uh, you know, I, I'm not walking away from this movie a newfound Black Panther fan. Um, I I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're we're running crazy long, so we should probably just wrap this up. Say, so did the movie, you know? <laughs> so did the movie. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, the thing we don't. I don't really know what we're doing next week. I think the only thing opening this weekend is Money Monster. Oh, I don't. Oh, God, I just I, don't. You know, know. I'm waiting for that to surprise me. It looks like ass. It sure does. Um, Jodie Foster directed, right? Yep, Jodie Foster directed. Who did The Brave One, which I never saw, and I know some people really like it. Um, but it's been kind of, you know, muted praise. I, I, I don't know. It's... Oh, wait, no, she didn't direct The Brave One. I don't know why I thought she did. Um... It, I, uh, anything I've seen of Money Monster it just looks like it's both victimizing and villainizing all the wrong people. Yeah, it, it seems like... Look, okay, what it comes off to me is uh, supposed, like, you know, uh, film really talking about uh, wealth inequality and the consequences of it uh, made entirely by insulated rich people who don't actually... Like who who only understand the poor as a concept, yeah, <laughs> as a vague idea, but a statistic, uh, uh, and as someone who may one day break into their homes and threaten them with a gun, um, <laughs> yeah, and this is what happened. That's it's kind of offensive in its premise that way. Maybe we'll review that one. I'm not sure. We might have to dip into the vault of movies that we haven't that we've seen but haven't reviewed <laughs> yeah my my i mean my ideal pick for next week would be uh high rise starring tom hiddleston um but i'm not sure it's gonna be playing for you it'll be playing for me i'll be able to see it if that is in fact what we decide to do mm-hmm. um I, I just i've heard many polarizing things about that movie and that seems like it would generate the most interesting discussion um but I'm not. I'm not sure we'll be able to do that. That that's that's my hope, though. I would that would be my ideal choice. Yeah, I will try to see what I can do to yeah, achieve it, that. I am I am traveling this weekend, so maybe I can stop somewhere along the way sometime. So we'll we'll see. Um, next week is in flux, but it was a great show this week, and I'm sure it's still going to be a great show next week, even though we don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. As always, thank you for listening.